Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so some sports news. Some, some news from the sports Ooh, world. We're right. so mad. I know, a bit of a curveball for this week. Literally. Pun, pun, literally, pun intended. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So the Cincinnati Reds announcer. Pun not intended, go ahead, sorry. Right, right. There's a, 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 an announcer for the Cincinnati Reds named Tom Brenneman. He's been with the Reds since 2006. And last week, I mean, I don't know if I should be laughing, but I don't know why it makes me, why it's so no, funny. No, it's so Kate. funny. It was, he was on, like, <laughs> like on TV, mm-hmm. not, he didn't think the mic was on. And he was heard saying some city, we weren't sure which city, which this city is, quote, one of the fag capitals of the world. <laughs> fag capitals of the world. <laughs> Elliot is dying to get there. Elliot is dying I mean, to get literally, there. Literally, that's I was thinking the whole time once when I heard about this, I was like, why is Elliot not the mayor of the fag capital of the world? That's ultimately what should be the case. But um, I I actually I love this because it's like <clears throat> It's so fun. Like I actually pay very close attention. I watch baseball a lot and I pay very close attention to what they say. Cause I'm always trying to look for clues about politics. And of course they're all so non-political when they're talking about these things, but I always pick up on little things and like, this is so stupid, but like last year, Oral Hershiser, who is a former uh, pitcher for like the Dodgers and shit, he's an announcer and he's very conservative. At least that's my understanding but he was in New York for a game and he was announcing and he was like, boy, I love going to Broadway. I love catching a show. And I'm like, well, he must be gay friendly. Wow. <laughs> but then that's obviously ridiculous. But then more relevantly, I think the owner of, of the Dodgers or one of the owners is, an, is a lesbian. And he was like, she is just about the, the nicest person you'll ever meet in your life. And so you're like, all right, Hey, I mean, Oral Hershiser, he's like, <laughs> He's not so crazy that he doesn't, you know, he, he, he doesn't hate all gay people upon meeting them. But then like, but then of course you're reminded by people like Tom Brenneman that, that yeah. uh, uh, just outside of whenever they say cut, they're like the fat, they talk about San Francisco. Well, I want to know the context. The <laughs> I want to know the, cause to me, like if I heard that from a straight person, I mean, I don't think a straight person would say that to me, but unless they're cool like me. i would say it to you but yeah. yeah you would i know you would um but like i want to know the context of the conversation because it feels like in what context did he even need to talk about the exactly. fag capital that's what makes it so funny it's like what city is the fag capital of the world what does that have to do with baseball but also like the it's to me the funniest part of it is that this is a grown man an yeah. adult and he's yeah. speaking like a teenager in like 2001 I mean, well to his credit these these guys who are in and around sports their maturity level kind of stunts at 19 when they hit that peak. I'm just saying, like... How dare you? Looking at some of the scandals from sports figures, you can tell that they're basically existing in a a perpetual sort of youth like outlook you know what my, i mean like my, my brother has always had a, a really funny way of talking about he's like if you ever want to see how how uh dumb athletes are just read the leaked sexts that they send people oh. like if there's a sex <laughs> oh, scandal wow. and then like their their texts are leaked <laughs> he's like they're just so inarticulate they're just like i want to dick you down bitch and shit. <laughs> 
Wait, and, but and you go to like, anyone's like, grinder <laughs> and you hear that a lot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> a lot. Sure. Uh, nothing is and nothing is more well it's incredible i mean nothing is more 2020 than this story because he immediately apologized while on the air and then offered another apology that was longer like so first he said i'm sorry or whatever then later in the same broadcast offered a more sincere longer apology but he was doing so while calling a home run and we'll include the audio here as holland takes over on the mound um i made a comment earlier tonight that uh i guess uh went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos that will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck, for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that... uh, they could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. Jim Dale, take you the rest of the way home. But it's literally him, like interspersing his deep, deep apologies and you know <laughs> uh, his, his deepest regrets while calling a home run. And but then he was, of course, re- replaced for the remainder of the game, and I think ultimately let go. Couldn't quite tell. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'll be back low-key somehow. He himself was like, "You, this is, might be the last time you hear from me. I mean, it also reminds you that, like, broadcast, especially, like, sports broadcasting, it's such a uniquely simple, simple to a degree. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that it's, like, he, just calling a game is so... It's just to, to have somebody call a, to call a game, but then in the next breath, hear him just very, you know, <laughs> earnestly say fag. Yeah. It's like, I, it's, I, I, I can't get over the context of like, know. you know, like, you know, like the, like the supervising producer was like talking about how like his, his like, his wife is from, <laughs> is from like Toledo, Ohio or something. He's like, yeah, fag capital of the world or something. <laughs> He's like, what? It makes and, me. And that's the thing. It's like so few people. In particular, so few people outside of like super macho groups, right, are like down like for saying shit like that. Like right. we haven't been able to say fag for like two decades, right? Exactly. In public. So you're just like, who who is he saying this well, to? And about that's what city? And that's the thing. The two decades thing, I think, is what really struck me because I was thinking like, when did the sort of uh, corporate backlash start? with fag and with with straight actors sort of calling out gay gay people or gay things and well, it, it Isaiah makes, Washington it, yeah exactly it makes me think of Grey's Anatomy and like all of that happening oh, right wow. around marriage equality and when ABC and Shonda Rhimes stepped up real quick and got rid of the actor who allegedly said called someone, Isaiah Washington now a big big Trump fan yeah he's he a big, really yeah he's a big Trumper wow. and he also denies he ever said it and like all these things right. but um and there's no audio, I 
don't think of it. So like, there's no, no. proof of it, but still he lost his job and he, he lost his, basically his work as an actor for many, many years because of it. And he was brought back to the show. I think eventually at some point, no, 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 no. Wasn't he, I think he was actually, or he got some big acting role after that years later, Oh, oh. regardless. Um, it really kind of started around there where corporate yeah, companies were right. really started <clears throat> saying, no, this is language and stuff that we can't, really abide by whereas you know, like i'm sure it happened a bunch in the 90s i mean oh my I, god yeah I, I, i'm i'm normally a, you know we've we've established many times we're not none of us are big fans of cancel culture um i guess it, it's a little different to me when uh i have an infestation of fruit flies in my house right now when uh it's a little different to me when it's an announcer when it's like it, it really is your job just to talk yes and you are sort of the, the face of the team um, I mean, yeah, anyone who watches years. a team regularly, yeah, they hear that person's voice. Well, every well nothing time, is so. more, you know, nothing really evokes the the like the the tone of the culture right now because as as much as the immediate apologies where the Reds immediately <laughs> said they're devastated by the horrific homophobic remark made by Tom Brenneman. He was pulled off the air and effective immediately was will be suspended from that. And the yeah. pitcher for the Reds said to the, they, he tweeted to the LGBTQ community, I know I'm with you, whoever's against you. Like, I'm like, this is amazing, but it's also incredible because it, it sounds like he's talking about like, they're, they're tweeting in response to like, a murder. A murder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, the guy said fag on the, the air. But, but it's also, but it's also like, I mean, and this is a thing I think that a lot of, I think gay people probably are uncomfortable with is like, you can say all of these things and you can be really apologetic, but it's like, you can create an environment where you hire L- LGBTQ people, you hire uniquely yeah. diverse people, people of color working, not just, and not playing the sport necessarily, right. working behind the scenes Behind as the well. camera. Create, yeah. and that's something that corporate America did really, really well with marriage <laughs> equality, where they put their money where their mouth was and they said, okay, we're going to start hiring more gay people, we're going to start being more inclusive, we're going to have openness in the workplace, and it allowed for a culture, a cultural shift, a cultural reset to support marriage equality the same can be done by just by hiring a diverse workforce that's right yeah maybe that's why he was fired maybe they do have a diverse workforce maybe and he was sort of the odd man out yeah but regardless i i do know that elliot is as we speak buying a one-way ticket to fag town or whatever (laughs) not even joking oh my god one of my absolute favorite people i feel like i say that a lot but this time i really really mean it i genuinely mean it because the person we have today is a close mutual friend of all three of ours for years now probably one of our oldest friends in comedy at least michelle buteau hello michelle (laughs) i love that i'm one of the oldest friends because i am probably like the oldest bitch (laughs) well no okay i remember when i first started doing stand-up in new york and i would i would i first went the gay route because you know faggot and i went it was at some bar in midtown and you were the headliner you had just quit Yes, therapy. You had just quit, I think, your day job, and you were, like, doing comedy full-time, and you were on that show, and it was just sort of like, the show was absolutely horrible. I did mm-hmm. horribly. You did mm-hmm. amazing. But I immediately left being like, you're going to be my friend. Uh, I love that. Therapy, yeah. um, I'm really sad to hear that it's closed down now because of COVID, but yeah, it was um, one of my most favorite gay bars because... Um, 
it, it, you know, anything in Midtown, you just never know who's going to show up. Like you have the locals, but you also have people like from Times Square who are just like wandering in and just like, is there a toilet yeah. here? Can they get some nachos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sunday night shows there. I always call it Showtime at the Apollo, but for gay men, because mm-hmm. if those motherfuckers don't like rough? They will boo your ass. And yeah. Like, but the thing is. That's why I don't do gay crowds because the, they are so aggressively judgmental. But yeah, at therapy in particular, crowd. gay men did not do very well unless A, you were in drag or B, you were like a regular. But women and Michelle in particular always did well. Like Rush. I never saw you not do well at therapy, honey. Mm-hmm. Like you were always doing great. Well, it's really, I mean, thank you. But it's, it was also just a, um, one of those shows that was like a great learning lesson, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest lesson for me as a stand-up doing therapy was... Never go to a gay bar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, it's, you know, if people are talking, that's okay. You need to bring them into your world. Because mm-hmm. it's very easy to get mad at people and be like, will you shut the fuck up? First of all, it's a free show. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, right, yeah, right. we just landed upon their table with their cosmos. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that show made me a stronger comedian. But, God, I remember doing, like, my first co-headlining gig with you, mm-hmm. Brent. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Do you yeah. remember I, Of course I remember that. That was at Comics, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Comics. Comics, which was this club on, like, 9th, uh, 14th Street and 9th Avenue. And it was, yeah, like, yeah. it was, like, this comedy club that paid, actually paid money. And <laughs> That's why it went under. That's why it went Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, why, yeah. that's why it's no longer there. It went yeah. And this is well, years before COVID, it went under. I spent more time uh, in that yeah. basement than I did in my family's basement at my, like, from where I'm from. You know what I mean? Oh, that, I was going to say a basement in Berlin. <laughs> well, I did time <laughs> there, too. I told stories. you those stories. I told you those stories. <laughs> well, you spent, I, you spent time in the... Business cards. <laughs> we spent time in the, in the basement there because it was the, the workout room. Yeah, well, it was, what was it called? Ochi's Closet? Ochi's Lounge. Ochi's Lounge, yeah. Yeah. And it always looked like a like a and this is not pejorative, but it looked like an like an airport bathroom. Sure. Like it was like very travelly, <laughs> yeah. like a place to stop. Yeah. It was smaller yeah. than that, but yeah. Tile. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like the AC mm-hmm. was loud. Yeah, the tile was bad. Right. The right. Were good. Sorry. <laughs> they were. <laughs> but now now you have a special on Netflix. Yes. Welcome, welcome to Bootopia. Yes, welcome to Bootopia, baby. Wait, so Congratulations. What is, I mean, I am familiar with Bootopia, but if you could tell listeners, what is Bootopia to you? Oh, Lord. Oh, mm-hmm. Lord. Bootopia to me is dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I was sort of working the special out, it felt like um, almost two different half hours. Um, because it's been such a wild, uh, time for me cause I've made the transition into parenthood. So mm-hmm. there's the, Hey girl, Hey, big titty freckle bitch. That's going to tell you like it is. <laughs> and, but then there's also like the tight ass mom who I was changing one of the kids diapers and I was like, Oh my God, baby girl, you have a penis, but it was a boy. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, do other parents do that too? And yeah. so it, it, that is really like utopia to me, at least it's, it's the world of Buto. And, um, oh. yeah, it's, it, it, I also want it to feel like, um, a night out in New York, uh, mm-hmm. cause we filmed it March 1st and I only picked that date cause it was my grandma's birthday and I'm not <laughs> into numerology, I'm bad at math, but 
I was like, Mavis Louise, are you telling me something from the other side? And she was like, yes, bitch, get that check. So I'm oh my so God. Mad. <laughs> it, but it was fun. We had drag queens, like seat people and Jessica Kirsten opened and it was, I had a plus size, um, gold uh, sequence suit. Ooh, I just had a wedgie oh, that felt like little great. tiny knives. I was like, Beyonce, we have so much in common now. Uh, it was really fucking fun. And so, although I wanted to feel like a night out in New York, it feels like the last night in New York. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Wait, so I want to give you a fun fact about Jessica Kirsten, who is a very funny mm-hmm. uh, gay comic. Yeah. She briefly, or I don't know how briefly, but she dated Susan Powder, the crazy oh, information. I know, I know. I know. Are they still together? No, bitch. Oh my God. No. She, that was like the craziest. Like, she already has two baby mamas since Susan. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> and you imagine dating Susan Powder? I mean, that woman. What, Susan what was Powder her thing? is so aggressive and Stop like. Stop the insanity. Yeah, Stop the, the insanity. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I, lo- I loved her. What though. Could, I, mean, I just was so fascinated by the relationship between this like crazy diet, like lunatic infomercial lady and Jessica Kirsten, who's like a fucking ball busting, you know, like yeah. rough and tumble comment. I mean, she's so funny, but I was like, where do these two collide? She could stand her own against Susan Powder. Maybe I'm sure. Jessica really loved Asa Bass, and she was like, you know, <laughs> I see this thing. Well, I'll tell you the best thing. I mean, this is such a deep dive, but there was an incredible, like, local morning show that Susan Powder was on Oof. that my friend Michael found this clip, or I don't know. And on the clip, they were like, you're dating this comedian, Jessica Kirsten, and they, they try to, like, approach the idea that Jessica was heavy, and Susan Sinos is like made her career oh, right, on, on, on diets, heavy people on diets, right, exactly right. diets and belittling heavy people. And they said like <laughs> they tried to hint at like you know what's it like to date somebody who's not you know a neutral like neutral whatever you know what they're obviously they're hinting at what's it like yes. to date heavier. And her response, of course, was that's why it's so beautiful. That's why it's so beautiful. And it was she like, big, well, and that's why it's so beautiful. It's like well, you've made your life telling us not to be big. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. Anyway, uh, Michelle, so what's it been like the transition? Like how old are you how old are your kids now? They're babies still, right? Okay. Babies. Um, yeah. they're a year and a half. Yeah. They're yeah, babies. They're they're babies, but they also feel like teenagers. They they are not saying words, but they are hella opinionated. And I mm. want them to <laughs> Question authority, but not just mine right now. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Bitch. It's quarantine. I'm doing the best I fucking can. Right. Does, it, does quarantine change? I mean, does quarantine like change the 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 parenting aspect Absolutely. of everything? I think quarantine changes any relationship that you have day to day, every fucking day. So mm-hmm. instead of seeing someone for those four hours, and you're just like, oh my god, I love you. I have so much to catch up. Um, uh, with you on and this, that, and the other, it's a full day. You are getting a Costco size relationship meeting during the day. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you really have to be mindful of your energy of when you can be happy and excited about shit. Cause for the mm-hmm. most part, it's just like, it feels like we all have cubicles and we're just like, you up dope. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I never like to be on my phone in front of my family, but now I'm like, right. just give me a minute. I, you yeah. know, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Like, I, I love, I mean, I, we've, we've talked about you being a parent for years and years and years. And I love that you're a mommy to these two beautiful kids. Yay. Oh, and we're Look looking at, at one, me. right? Yeah. Oh my God. Hazel, I, 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 I,
<laughs> if ever, I mean, honestly, like for our listeners, it's like they really do look like the like fifty percent heist, fifty percent heist is Michelle's oh, husband. Michelle's husband. Yeah. Yes. Look at her. Yeah. She's like a cabbage patch I mean, dog. Follow the journey on Instagram, guys. Michelle, mm. she is she's an essential follow. Also for her real estate, Michelle. Of all the people, every this bitch ever since. Like I remember back in the day when you were doing fucking free rooms, you owned an apartment. Even then, yeah, <laughs> like you have been real estate queen since like the mid aughts. No, you are. I mean, I'm honestly. I'll just say you are like. There's two people in my life who have always been like. Yeah, if you're gonna do life right, you're gonna do it the way mm-hmm. Michelle does it. Really, like, ah, you've done yeah, life right. It's yeah, true. Same. I swear, this is real nice. It's true. You, it's the way so you true. Lived your life has always been like, yep, that that is the oh, correct way to do things. Also, how gay could we have just been when <laughs> Michelle just had her beautiful child in her arms, and we immediately moved on to something other than the child? No, yeah, I real, love estate, it. real estate. Real <laughs> estate. <laughs> you moved on. Yeah, right. But I'm just taking care of stuff, and you know what? I have to really. <laughs> there's a lot of things my mom and I don't agree on, but you know, that my parents coming from third world countries, they're like, Oh shit, you can't just make money here. You have to have your money, make money. So the idea of rent was already just like, what the fuck is that? And so mm-hmm. I've always grown up with the, the notion that rent sucks. Like it's cute for a little bit, but don't do it forever. And so Who's like, what am I going to do? Win the fucking lottery? No. And right. I, I hate to say like, um, you know, after 9-11 was the time to buy, but after 9-11 was the time to fucking yeah. buy. We we're moving out. Things were fucking, you know. Oh, you use that and you, you have ran. Literally, she went from the apartment 9-11, you moved to LA, you moved back to the New 9-11 York. apartment, you, right? You have, you have an incredible, you have an incredible... <laughs> brownstone in brooklyn that i loved visiting i loved visiting and now you have this beautiful home with a yard in new york city yeah it's crazy it's sort of like going to marshall's you just have to look people already (laughs) like assume new york i can't do it it's so crazy expensive you just have to look get a little high go to zillow <laughs> and just peruse. Yeah. Let the oh. edible kick in when the kids are sleeping mm. and go to Trulia because it's my porn. Mm. <laughs> Trulia, Trulia porn. Yes, Trulia porn. She got that <laughs> I also love that, just switching a little bit. So, one of my favorite movies of all time is First Wives Club, which we have bonded over. And when you got cast in the television remake of First Wives Club, I I texted you immediately, as I often do whenever I see you. I saw you on Watch What Happens Live. I texted you as it was happening because I I had to to communicate with you how much, how excited I was that you were on that show. Um, But how much do you love being in First Wives Club? I mean, I can't. There's so many levels. First of all, I love that movie too. I feel like Bette Midler, I didn't really see any funny black women um, on the screen. And she was sort of like my black woman, to be honest. I mean, there was Whoopi, yes. But then there was also Bette, who was like always plus size and like the Adi Body one who had all the funny lines, but she could sing her mm-hmm. ass off and like dance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. So I love the movie. We go to the movies with my mom a lot. And the fact that it was uh, all black um uh, remake reboot I was like stop yes <laughs> with Jill Scott with Jill yeah. Scott and the thing is you know once um um an actress that's um higher than like a size 12 gets cast you're like well that's the one 
Because it goes to like right. the one black friend, and then it's like, oh, if yeah, plus size bitch, that's gonna be it. But the fact that Tracy Oliver, who created the show and is the showrunner and worked on Girls Trip, was like, no, I want some real ass women that, um, you know, look like they've been to college together and and have this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, thank you so mm-hmm. much. So it's, it was amazing. I, I, I've, I've brought this up a couple times on a podcast in, in particular in comedies, it blows me away that there's still this, like, like this bizarre standard that women in particular, I would say women almost exclusively are still really hot in, in, <laughs> in yeah. comedies, which is to say they're, they're often very thin, uh, very pretty. And, you know, uh, I have to be fuckable by a straight white man right, standard. Right, so yeah, you are right, not fuckable yeah. by the straight white exactly. dude. It's just like, what are you doing here? You're, mm-hmm. you're Barb. You're just going to yeah. be in the and, upside down forever and nobody and gets then, fucked. Yeah. I've yeah, always said in particular down. with comedies, like you want to relate with the people. And I don't relate to anyone who looks like that. I don't relate to anyone who's that attractive. Mm-hmm. That's why I always liked comedies just because they look, like, they kind of look more funny. like me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's such a strange thing. Comedy movies and every, like almost every comedic actress in comedy movies is like, a nine out of 10. And you're just like, mm-hmm. why is this like, but Dan Aykroyd isn't hot. <laughs> yeah. oh, but I think yeah. in some ways too, like it, I mean, there is a direction of change in terms of like shows like drag race, where you're seeing people of different size, what you're doing with your standup shows, having like oh my different God, size. Chi-Chi, I cannot even. Yeah. Rest in peace. Chi-Chi, I know. I know. It's and so... even, the news even got to Brent. You texted me and said, did you know a drag queen died? <laughs> Wait, did you did you hear I that, did. Brent? Really? I did. Of course, I I saw it on. Uh, I love that the New York Times covered Instagram. it, and that it, it just felt it felt because New York Times is going in a direction of trying to be more inclusive with their obits, and like the fact that they went out of their way to sort of do a piece on Chi Chi, who was you know it's a niche VH1 artist yeah. who isn't like isn't main right, mainstream, right. but it shows respect for the different types of artists that are working today, and that everything is niche, and that gets me back to Michelle in that like you're. You're, you're talking Are you about a mall cop? Because you got a I segue, am. honey. I got a segue. <laughs> no, but like with your comedy special, with with First Wives Club, like you're representing, you're you're representing that there isn't just the one. Jill Scott isn't the only one that can be the plus size woman of color in a in a movie or in a thing, and 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 taking it in all different directions online with your comedy special, etc. Like it's just awesome, and I love you for it. Thank you. And I love that, um, you know, all these diversity hires at uh, these companies are actually taking advantage of that. You know, Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for streaming platforms, I don't know where the fuck I would be because there's always going to be like the like the one show at ABC or like, you know, the one friend Mm -hmm. on NBC. Like, so Mm -hmm. it's it's it sucks that there's so much garbage that we have to like kind of get through to get to the good stuff. But it's so great that there are so many platforms that people are just like, sure, we'll take a chance on that big titty bitch. Which is great, <laughs> and I'm and I'm a big fan of like when people complain like I I only got four lines. It's like make those four lines the most memorable thing anyone's seen that goddamn twelve hour day. You, mm-hmm. Right. One second. Uh oh. Oh no. We got kid issues. Uh oh. That was a mommy moment. <laughs> oh. Is everything Black okay? Moms. Black moms. 
<laughs> Black mom's a good niece. Wait, mm. you literally just like tore off Wait, the yeah, headphones. What, what just happened? happened? Yeah, what happened? I was almost concerned. We're yeah. keeping this um, in. We're keeping this I in. I saw a little hand go up on the table and grab this bowl, and I was like, mm. not today, mm. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to any ERs in a fucking pandemic. Uh, oh, I was going to ask, is there going to be a second season of The Circle? Yeah, I'm actually flying to England in October to do two seasons of The Circle. We're going to do season two and three back to back. It's going to be wow. fucking And is that, is that because technically, I guess there is a level of, I mean, quarantine? I mean, it's so, you know, it's so singular for the... Yeah, it's really safe to film. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Did you have fun shooting that? So much fun. When I first heard about the show, I was like, what is this show? Like, it's very hard. Yeah, like, I was like, this sounds so trashy. And then I watched. <laughs> and you were like, sign me up. <laughs> I know. And I was like, where's the contract? <laughs> trash, trash, trash. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I'm on CNN. What, remember that guy who's like. Oh, the kid. Asian wife was like yes. grabbing the kid. Yes. And everyone's like, look at that nanny. Yes. I literally like just discovered that clip like a few months ago. And I watched really? it like a hundred times. <laughs> oh, it's so, so funny. It's so funny. Um, so, what does that be like when you go to when you go to England? Will that be hard to leave the family for a while? And I'm it, bringing everybody. I'm going to bring them. Oh, because oh, wow. I have to quarantine. That's the thing too. Now you have to quarantine mm-hmm. for all these projects. So I'm not going to sit up in Manchester, England, solo. I'm going to bring the. Baby. Oh, Manchester is right. so much fun, though. It's such a great city. Now you have though, and that's the thing I wanted to bring up because you do have like a Europe. Says that about every city. No. But yeah, go ahead. I do. Manchester. <laughs> City, well, some of us who have traveled can speak to it. Oh, um, oh, you, oh you son of a bitch. Pull out the credit card. Pull out the credit card. Um, no, you, Heiss. I want to talk about Heiss because he is one of the best men, straight men in the world. Oh, that what I a love. Literally, he is like, I remember when you two first got together and you moved out to LA and I was just like, that is my favorite straight person. Like that man right there oh, is going to be the too. man that if I ever have like a hate crime situation, I'm texting them because <laughs> oh, he, will, he will help me and hold me. Um, yes. and, true. Had, and where is he from originally? He's from Amsterdam, right? Um, he is from uh, Eindhoven, which is two hours south of Amsterdam, but he lived in Amsterdam forever. And then he okay. moved here from Amsterdam. So it's just easier to say, plus nobody knows anything else that Halibusas asks it. I don't know. We don't even know where fucking Holland is. I remember I she <laughs> got I, off the plane in, in Amsterdam. She goes, damn, Denmark is so beautiful this time of year. I said, bitch, you have <laughs> costumes. You don't even know where you are. <laughs> but do you go over often? Like, how is it with his side of the family and the kids and traveling and all of that? Yeah, that's fucking nuts. I mean, we go over um, all the time. I mean, obviously we miss it. He misses it. And we just went there for Christmas with the twins, and that was bananas. I was like, mm. I am. Isn't there I, that? Isn't there that that that? Didn't we talk about that holiday, that Christmas blackface thing that goes on oh, there? Oh yeah, Swart Pete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's it called again? It's called Swart Pete's Black. Swart. Yeah. It is. What oh, is that about? Oh. What is that oh, about? Oh girl. So basically. Sinterklaas is Sinterklaas, right? Yes, he oh. comes in the beginning of December, and the tradition is he's got a bunch of helpers that look like midgets, 
and they're very dark because they jumped down the chimney for Santa Claus because he was too big, but they all have black face and red lips. So uh, it's sizest and racist. (laughs) It's all the things. Someone call TLC and get your girl. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you talk to Dutch people, they'll be like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then some people are completely offended, but... But they're all white anyway. Of course they're going to say that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really crazy because they, they think it's like a lovely tradition and that like everybody else is making it about race it's just like no bitch no 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 hurtful. this is those pictures you, that you showed me i was like my jaw dropped i couldn't be- i just can't be- it, you just can't believe that that exists yeah well the whole thing is i should say for your listeners black people do not pretend to be swart pete um mm. so white people put on blackface and go celebrate as if it's nothing and you know, history is history, and I know their history is different than ours, but it's still mm-hmm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel? Wait, can't Sinterklaas just have multicultural elves? For God's sakes! People have said that <laughs> they wanted um, rainbow uh, peats. Well, for such a liberal country, <laughs> you would, not? yeah, you would think. I mean, the country's pretty liberal in most ways. It's every everything else, everything else. That's yeah. why they're just like old people are like, let me have this one thing. You can yeah, like yeah, fuck yeah. on the street Ugh. there in parts of the city, and like yet you you Alan's wear dream. Blackface. Yeah, and I went there, put it on credit. <laughs> you could do whatever you want. You could just ask the government for some money to start a store. It's like. <laughs> yes. Sure. I have all those. Oh I can't wait to see. Oh my God. Michelle, oh. you were the best. Congrats on the on the special and um be safe in England. Oh my God. Have fun yeah, with the family. And where in can people find you, Michelle? Oh my God. Wherever the fuck you go, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to watch her comedy special. It's yeah, so, yeah, so, 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 so good. And I got a book coming out. It's available for pre order. It's called Survival of the Thickest. It's plus size essays in a small minded world. Ow, bitch. Oh no, my God. I cannot awesome. wait to read oh, that. Awesome. Oh, congratulations. That's so great. Michelle. Thank you so much. You guys are the fucking yeah. best. Come on. Yeah, thanks, now. Michelle. Thanks for we coming. Love you. Thanks for having. And another thing. So I, I'm just. This is just mostly kind of me venting. So this happened. This has happened now for what's new on the podcast. That's that's (laughs) your entire mo. (laughs) This is. You know what? You know what? You're a son of a bitch. Oh oh, yeah. Uh, For several election cycles now uh as we get closer as we draw closer to the election itself i become so um mad and emotional that i have to i have to start playing games (laughs) to take my mind off of the election but what happens is i end up downloading games that that make me angrier than the election (laughs) and i downloaded this this game it's called two dots Oh, I know that game well. It's an old game. game. Yeah. It is an old game. They have thousands mm-hmm. of levels. And I won't get into the weeds of how it works, but it's a, I, I, I never played Candy Crush, but it's kind of a, it's, you're looking at a screen of, with a bunch of dots and you're trying to kind of find similar colored dots to, yeah. to make into shapes and that kind of shit. But, and this is really where I get mad. And I, I, I started playing it again. I played it back in 2014 when I downloaded it. I started playing again. And the first hundred levels are a breeze and it's really fun. And they do all these things to make it kind of, (laughs) 
to make it like fun. Like the phone vibrates whenever you get, whenever you can combine similar well, I, colors. I, and all I, I turn that setting off. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's it. It fucks with your brain. I, I get to a point with these games where I get so mad when I play them that I know enough to play them on the couch because otherwise I would bash my phone on the table. What about it makes you table. mad? I, I, I really think these games are, they're designed, and this is the, the general, this is the actual point that I'm getting to. I think a lot of these apps are hollow shells of games mm -hmm. that are designed to bilk you of money. And in particular, <laughs> it's the apps that are free that there are a million different things you can buy, cheat codes and, mm. and cheat things. And you can, you only get five lives at a time or you have to wait an hour on two dots so you can buy more lives. And it's not a real game because they claim that they're giving you random dots to kind of play with, but they're not. They're, they're making it harder to win so that you'll spend money to win. And I've noticed every time I get stuck on a level and I bash my phone on the couch and I give up, I'll give up for like a day and I'm like, fuck that, fuck that app. But then I'm like tempted to read the news again. So I'm like, I'll, I'll play the app. I'll play two dots. I pick it up again. And what do you know? I can beat the level immediately. Because you stop caring. No, here's why. Because I think the app knows they want you frustrated enough to spend money, but not entirely disillusioned. It knows if you've put it down for a while and it knows if you struggled on a level. And so they, they want you angry, but not too angry. That's See, my this theory. Doesn't, this doesn't I, sound too different from you like in everyday life, though. You mean me becoming rageful? Yeah, <laughs> like just how you interact with people. Like I, this, I don't <laughs> bash my phone in people's faces. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what, Alan? <laughs> You're a real son of a bitch today. Literally, um, I want to say on the notes for this segment, you guys, it literally just says, I'll elaborate on this. I, like, I, we couldn't even I, prepare I for this. Pick up, I pick up my phone, and within three or four rounds, my, I am just... Fighting the Why are you playing that game then? Why don't you choose a different game? I don't. I games are hard. It's hard to find games. I did finally delete so it many. recently. It's hard to find games that are actually worth playing. But my my ultimate point, sorry, last part of this rant. My ultimate point is I don't see how this is any different than subliminal messaging, which is to say, they're exploiting loopholes in our brains to get us to spend more money. And this game, it's not a game. It is, it's designed to make it seem like there's talent involved and that you're improving, but you're not. There's limitless numbers of levels. And all they're trying to do is make us uneasy so that we'll spend money on things that will make the game easier. Don't that's you, what they're that's trying the, to do. But it's not the model of like, I mean, at least from like Candy Crush to Angry Birds to the, just the mainstream ones that I know and have played, isn't that like their... Isn't that their, the way they get ad revenue? Or is, yeah. isn't that their main, their yeah. main income is like Absolutely. not just ads, but buying? Like I, I have spent, honestly, and it's embarrassing, but I've probably spent at least $10 on Candy Crush, and that's so lame. That's nothing. That's, that's so little money. And I would never spend money on I know. Game, it's though. so stupid. I won't give two dots one 
red scent. I mean, it's insane. I'm obsessed with this like Disney emoji game thing that I just, it's, it's like, it's sort of, it's not like dots. Well, I guess it is kind of like dots. It's like all of them, you know? And whenever it gets to a point where like, you can extend this for whatever, if you buy two ninety nine worth of diamonds or something. And I'm like, no, I'm done with the game because for me, I recognize that this is just a game trying to get me to play more so that they stay on the app and make more ad money. But I have used it for its purpose a short distraction from the realities and, and of the that, world. And then great. I put my phone away. <laughs> and that's that? great. But, but do you see the connection? I know it's, a, I know I'm being a little hyperbolic, but to me, it's these, these aren't, they're not just games that are fun. They, they do things aesthetically speaking that are, that genuinely trigger. They're like slot machines. These oh, yes. apps yeah, are like slot machines. So it's like, they really are exploiting these loopholes in our brains so that we'll spend more money. I think that's the thing. That's the area where maybe I'm not on board. Like, cause they're not exploiting loopholes. They're just using the essence of what a game is to keep you playing. Yeah. They're bilking you for money by keeping you, by, yeah, by, but by it's like, spend, like spend that, to play. That's the point of the game though, is that like, to keep you playing the game. Like, no, the point of the game is, I mean, if, if we're, if we're going to talk about what I think a game is, the point of a game is to have fun. And if, well, yeah. if we were talking a pure example of a game, it would be pay us money and you can play the game and have fun. So, but I, I understand not every game is going to work like that. Not, you know, two dots doesn't want to be $15, which would make it worthwhile for them economically. I understand that a very small number of people probably spend a ton of money on two dots and the rest of us play for free. That's how they make, Presumably but isn't a lot it of fun money. if you're really into the game? Like, let's say you love this game. Mm-hmm. And sure, it's a free game and you <clears> download it. And sure, they want to keep you in the app and keep you playing. But if you really love this game and it's offering you a distraction from the world and they give you an option to pay a dollar to do whatever, well, if you really love the game, that's a dollar well spent. They're not, they're not exploiting you or milking you of anything. It's literally like sure. them just being like, oh, I want to keep playing because I love this game. Like, that's Absolutely. how I see it. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting they all should be in jail although i have made that argument in the past while playing two dots <laughs> these but, app developers but like for instance i would argue that like you know the classic example of subliminal messaging in a movie theater where they flash a picture of a coca-cola on a screen so they kind of whet your appetite for a coke there are people who might go out to the concession stand to buy a coke who genuinely love coke and they have a dollar for a coke and they say, why not get, or in, in this case for movie theaters, $9 for a Coke. And so they say, why not go get a Coke? It's, it's not, this isn't, an, uh, it's not evil, but I just, I just think. You just don't want to be manipulated. I, I, yes, I think it's a manipulation. And you don't, like, do you feel like you don't have control over that manipulation? I think, I think they... No, because I, I think I do have some control over it. Um, I think you resent it. I think I resent it, yes. Oh. Yeah, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I paid full price for Wheel of Fortune for the Nintendo Switch. Not surprising <laughs> and at all. it Not makes me so <laughs> mad because I, I expect to win every, every game. Yeah. And when I don't, it makes me furious because the fucking game, I think... I think a lot of the puzzles get lost in translation. Yeah. There's no, like that. Some of the puzzles have been like crispy light toast or like <laughs> coffee boutique <laughs> store owner. It's like, that's not a person, you know, like, and I know the ins and outs of wheel of fortune so well that I know that this is wrong. Right. And when I lose the computer, I want to like, I like Brent want to destroy my television. See, I don't get angry when a game 
you know, tries to exploit for me for more or does something that I'm just like, I'm annoyed by. No, I get annoyed when something, be it a game or a service that I buy, doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. Yes. Like when something oh, sure. is, is, is intended for a purpose and then you use it for that purpose, but the, the, the laid out process for how it's supposed to work doesn't work that way, that drives me up the wall. And that's Same. when I feel like I'm being manipulated and I just lost a lot of money. So that means you don't go to Ikea. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Also, I, I recently got this like this software for my computer because I needed to retrieve something. And I did everything Ooh. it told me to do. Yeah. And then it didn't work. That's how I feel about cooking. I feel that I, I, I go to the New York Times cooking page a lot because they have all these great recipes. And every goddamn time I read one of their fucking recipes, I follow it to the letter and 80% of the time, it doesn't even look <laughs> well, like the picture more or less tastes like it. And in, it's really aggravating. Like, I remember making a gravy <laughs> recipe for them, like from the New York Times. And the picture is like this dark, rich, burgundy gravy. <laughs> and I followed that fucking recipe to the letter. And my gravy was almost white. I'm like, how, how did it go from brown to white? The picture is just meant to be like... It's like not meant to represent the dish you're going to make. Yeah, it's, 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 and it's, white not, it's not supposed to be polar opposites. No, it's, it's supposed, supposed to be, to be polar reminiscent. Opposite. It should be reminiscent. This is, oh, so this is why you, I, now I realized the other day you posted on Instagram a picture of, from the New York the Times, looked like a pizza with like heirloom tomatoes oh, on it. Oh, yeah. And you just wrote, <sighs> Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Absolutely, the most disgusting. I'm, I'm not a fan of cherry tomatoes. I get that some Same. people like them. them. God I love you. They're not for me. And the Times posted. They've had a couple flops recently, if you ask me. But they posted on their Instagram <laughs> this pizza that had nothing but shriveled, but still somewhat <laughs> plump, but pruned cherry yeah. tomatoes. No cheese in oh. sight. Why? It was just bread and cherry tomatoes. It was the most disgusting Isn't thing. that bruschetta? That's not pizza. Yeah. That's bruschetta. That's bruschetta. That's, yeah. that's bruschetta. Or a grandma slice in New York. Right, right. Oh. <laughs> what, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I've only spent $30 on Candy Crush. Oh, my God. I was going to say Aunt Joanne said, I've spent $505 on Candy Crush, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> what about Aunt Anne? Than my Aunt Anne would say, well, you know, to his credit, fag is a cigarette in England. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, let him off the hook. <laughs> good, old, good old Tom Brenneman. This episode was for you. Big ups to Tom. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. I'm Tom Brenneman.